Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and our guest today is Sherry Greenberg. Sherry is the cl- a clinical professor. But, but we need to stop. Go ahead. Sorry, they haven't uploaded my the revised bio yet. Okay. Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and our guest today is Sherry Greenberg. Sherry is a professor of practice and fellow of the Max Sherman Chair in State and Local Government at the at UT's LBJ School of Public Affairs. Uh, Sherry is also a former elected elect official. She served in the Texas legislature from 1991 to 2001. Sherry, what, what area did you represent? Was it Austin or I wasn't? It was. It was a large portion of Travis County, uh, very large in the beginning. It's now District 48, but it is, um, the boundaries have changed. It is a smaller district than when I, I began in 1991. Got that. Well, that, we'll actually welcome Professor Greenberg to the show. And uh, our topic today is something that's been bubbling, um, I've seen since July, I think for most folks, a lot of other issues, obviously, that are taking precedent, but it is something that's going to be very, will be very key to potentially how, or will be very key to how our city is run. And so I wanted to bring Professor Greenberg on to talk about it. She's a frequent speaker on this topic. And the topic is uh, the systems of government. Right now, yes. for those who know, don't know, our council or city of Austin is run under a council manager system. And there is a group that was formed or a PAC that was formed in mid- midsummer in July uh, called Austinites for progressive reform. And amongst other, thing, amongst other charges, one of the things we're looking to do is do a charter amendment to Austin City Charter that would change our system or put it to the public vote to change our system to a strong mayor form government. And Professor Greenberg is someone who's talked about the subject a lot, so I want to bring her on to really explain the difference between the council manager and strong mayor and also the pros and cons uh, just for the public and for those who are interested in that subject. So Professor Greenberg, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, delighted to be here. And uh, this is something that is actually important in how a city is run. There are several different types of municipal government, of city government and governance. One, as you noted, is the council manager. That is the form that Austin has right now. And with a council manager, you have an elected city council and um, you have a mayor who either is elected, as our mayor is, or in some places, the mayor is actually chosen from a law um, among the council members maybe on a rotating basis, but in others, the mayor is elected. So we have a system where we have, of course, the 10-1. We have 10 members of the city council who are elected individually from geographic districts, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have the mayor who is elected citywide. And the mayor uh, has a vote equal to, and just like the other city council members, but the mayor does preside over of the council. He runs the meetings. But then we have a city manager. The city manager is appointed by the mayor and council. And the city manager you should think of as the CEO of the city, the administrator who runs the city. And the mayor and council are the policy makers. So that is the um, council manager form of government uh, that we have right now. There are a couple of other forms of the other major form of municipal government that we see is the mayor council form. Mm-hmm. And in the mayor council form, um, and that all of this, as you said, depends on the city charter, mm-hmm. right? 
in each individual city, whether it's in Texas or elsewhere. And in that form of government, the mayor is elected separately from uh, the council. And often, um, you know, the, the sole administrative duties of the city are vested with the mayor. And the mayor may even be paid, could be full-time, part-time. But in that system, the mayor serves as the, as the CEO of the city. Now, sometimes, again, depending on the municipal charter, um, the mayor may have very comprehensive powers, more powers than the members of the city council or not, mm -hmm. right? It may just be that the same vote, but um, the council has legislative powers and the mayor is the CEO. Some cities that have this form, the mayor council, do also um, opt to appoint a professional administrator, but has more limited authority than a city manager would because again, the mayor under mayor council is the CEO. Mm -hmm. So for, to backtrack too, for those who, for just the average Joss tonight, even the, yes. the charter is akin to the constitution, right? The, the yes. charter is from, I we know where to find it, I gotta be able to find it, but it lays out all the rules of the city. That's um, right. But it revised. Even so, for example, the 10-1 system of government we have now with 10 council members and one mayor, uh, one like one city or one, one mayor had to be done by a charter. Correct. Revised by a charter. Correct. What happens is typically if you want, if, if a city, if the city wants to make changes to the charter, then there would be a charter commission. Members would be appointed by the mayor and city council members. And they would make recommendations and then the city council, mayor and council would vote to, to put it before the voters. Right. And that is what happened with 10-1. There had been many votes prior to that, actually, to change from what the city had. The city of Austin used to have, as far as the mayor and council, what was called an at-large system, meaning that nobody ran from discrete geographic districts. All the council members and the mayor ran citywide. And Austin was one of the few remaining large cities. Seattle was one that changed actually after us. Um, that still had that form of government. So that went before the voters a few years ago after actually numerous attempts and it passed. And um, the uh, and Steve Adler, who is our mayor, was first elected um, the first time and the council, the 10-1, under that new system of the 10-1 where the council members run from districts and the mayor is the only individual now who runs citywide. Yeah, and it's interesting too because that system is only, I think, the that vote happened in 2014. So we're, we're still kind of in the early right. stages. It depends what, when, you, when you came to Austin, but <laughs> the early stages yeah. of this. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's been, I mean, I think for those who, especially this year, legislatively, the council obviously has been very active beyond the you know, normal budgetary duties on multiple fronts. And, you know, one of the things I think that caught my eye over the summer in watching public testimony, particularly around the budget and uh, the debates and testimony on police defunding or reallocation of funding kind of with Fincher on was, I guess it was a lack of understanding about, to your point about just uh, our system, the council manager system, because Absolutely. I realized with, Spencer, with, with our city manager, Spencer Cronk, he is the chief administrator of the city, which means council can f hire, or they make decisions on his, his duties, his role, hiring and firing him, but every other city staff falls under him ultimately is purview. With, with a couple of exceptions for sure. the, you know, the auditor and um, a couple of others, but for, yes. Like the police chief, uh, fire chief, 
Yes, so, yes. The city, the, the, the mayor and city council under this form of government, as you noted, with a couple of exceptions, such as a city auditor or the head of the um, um, court and one other, the mayor and city council hire and fire the, the city manager. The city manager hires the other city employees for, um, and the, the city executives, whether it's the assistant city manager, a, a, um, a, a deputy city manager, the chief of police, the director of the departments, and then they typically, you know, hire those um, who, who are under them in their departments. And many people do not understand this. Why, why would you? You don't spend every day, as I do, right, um, on these topics. But they don't um, understand that we have this form of government, the, um, the council manager, and that with this form of government, it is not the mayor who, and council, or just the mayor who hires, as with a strong mayor, who hires, for instance, the police chief or the a, a department head um, or a, an assistant um, in, in that fashion. And in fact, Houston is, is the anomaly here in Texas. Okay? Okay, about Houston, that. <laughs> yes, Houston, Houston, Texas does have the mayor council form of government. Okay, where Sylvester Turner, who is the mayor of Houston, also is the CEO. So Houston is actually an outlier in the state of Texas. It's also interesting to note that El Paso, Texas, until 2004, was an outlier too. El Paso had um, a, a mayor council form of government, and then that changed to a council manager form in 2004. Another interesting case to note is the city of San Diego, California, because San Diego, California actually had a um, manager council form of government. And in 2004, the city of San Diego, California tried on a trial basis having a mayor council strong mayor form of government. And then in 2010, the city of San Diego um, actually you know, put before the voters to change to the mayor council form of government. So those are some some interesting um, kind of case studies to note in one in uh, Texas and, and another one in California of a city of, you know, similar size and, and on another coast and a somewhat tech city being San Diego, California. Do you see this, speaking of pure cities, um, as you mentioned, San Diego, other cities of our size um, out you know, across the country, I mean, Nashville, Charlotte, um, Minneapolis, right? Where, I mean, how are, are you, do you see as cities grow to a certain, as cities grow to a certain size, do you see a shift to a strong mayor form? Um, and then, um, go ahead, Oscar, I'll look that. So a lot of it is historical. You, you tend to see in, um, on the, you know, on the East Coast or West Coast or in older cities that you have the uh, mayor council or strong mayor and um, in, in some of the larger cities, many of the larger cities too. The council manager form of government actually began in the late 19th and early 20th centuries and it was seen as a reform from the days of patronage originally. And, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of questions that people have that you need to think about when trying to decide what's the best form of government. But typically, they are, are, um, you look at accountability. 
which form will be the most responsive? And that can vary from city to city or from one decade to the next, right? Um, as, as I pointed out with a couple of the case studies and um, the constituents and changing their viewpoints in El Paso and San Diego. So what is going to be the most responsive? Um, you know, some would say, well, the, in the mayoral form, it's more responsive because you have voted for the mayor and the mayor is directly responsive to you, right? And some might say as a city grows to a certain size, you need that kind of, of responsiveness. Others would say, mm, I don't know about that. Maybe this is somebody who has the political acumen, but in a, you know, to be accountable for actually running a city, does, the, does this person have the skill set? Then others might turn around and say, well, this is not a corporation. What skill set do you need? So there are really, um, you know, two very different uh, points of view, right? A, a lot of times on this, and a lot of it depends on the specific point in time, the specific uh, city, and how people feel about this accountability, the professional management. Do you want professional management? Do you think you're going to get that with the, the mayor? And, the, and is the mayor going to hire some type of administrator? But again, do you think, no, this isn't a corporation and we think we can vote for a mayor who's going to have that and, and who will hire people who will, you know, effectiveness and, and efficiency, political harmony. Um, some people may say, well, a city manager is having too much power and it's not elected, right? But others may say, well, again, Yes, the mayor is elected, but is there going to be harmony with um, the mayor and the staff or the mayor and the city council? So, you know, those are, are some of the issues that uh, people tend to, and the questions that people tend to ask when considering one of these forms of municipal of city government uh, versus the other. But I don't think that you can just make a blanket statement that, you know, that it's, you know, one size shoe fits all necessarily or over the ages. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think um, just from what, again, the snapshot of what I saw over the summer, just watching, uh, you know, kind of a con the confluence of a lot of the civil, uh, not the civil this exchanges going on, marches, um, mm -hmm. at City Hall and elsewhere, and just the calls for, particularly around APD, uh, you know, the, to the removal, of, uh, the removal rather of, uh, of our, of the police chief, and just how that played out in terms of people, you know, not realizing you know, the council, the council is going to do so much, right? And right. they can only do so much. That's just that's right. They, the mayor and council, under our form of government, according to our charter, and you know, people voted, cannot hire or fire the police chief, for instance. That is the city manager. Now, if we were in um, New York, if we were in San Diego, if we we're in Louisville, if we were in um, you know, um, Seattle, Boston, some of these, Denver, some of these other cities where, you know, maybe where they have the mayor council, then that may differ. Or here, as I said, in, in Houston, which is an outlier in Texas. It's interesting too. So, you know, just as a disclosure, I don't have any uh, leanings one way or the other with each system. Just as a, as a lobbyist, we navigate the government. Well, we navigate government. So that, that'll be what will be. But with this, I mean, I, I do look at kind of just the differences between you know, as a practical example, how I would do my job now versus under a strong mayor. And I've talked to, I've talked to colleagues in Houston in Chicago and other cities where that operates. And it's, um, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it does centralize, you know, for, for better or worse, it does centralize a lot of authority and power. 
or authority and power and control. And with that comes, uh, you know, there's different dynamics with dealing with or working with council and city staff when it all ultimately goes to kind of one, one office. Um, but go ahead. Yes, that's true. And it also depends again on how it's structured in some of these, um, mayor council, the mayor has more power than in other cities that have mayor council. Mm -hmm. and, and so that varies too. Yeah. So we really interesting to see how this plays out again. It's an issue that it brewed up in the summer amongst everything else. So I highly, highly doubt unless it's folks like myself or you really watching or even knowing what's going on all of it. Um, but it's something that I think from, from the average last night, it's going to pop up out of nowhere. Right. And so again, um, getting folks yourself on the show to talk about it and just break it down. And I know you've written papers on sure. these articles, so we're going to link those in the show notes. Um, but real quickly too, I want to talk about just any other projects or things you have coming going on, coming up in the, this fall or in the spring, maybe talk about just your courses and course and any students who are interested in applying to LBJ school. And I know, I know you're also an advisor. Uh, right. About that. So I do also, I, I, I um, am a professor of practice at the LBJ school as noted in the fellow of the Max Sherman chair in state and local government. I teach a lot in, um, areas such as um, urban issues and state and legislative issues and then topics um, technology policy and digital inclusion or exclusion but overall technology policy including now artificial intelligence and what are the ethical and policy and regulatory implications transportation healthcare, care um, and housing and how those uh, interplay right and uh, I'm also the, the graduate advisor for our master's in public affairs program. Uh, I encourage anyone who's interested to please get on the website of the LBJ School of Public Affairs and look at it. You can contact me. Um, you can find me there on the website, including my email and my cell number. It's the only number I use. And I would be happy uh, to you know, discuss uh, with you our, our program at the LBJ School. I am uh, teaching a course right now on smart cities. What is a smart city? As I say, it's technology is not just a shiny new object. And I have a very expansive view of what is a smart city. It is a city that may use uh, public engagement, management processes, or technology, or any of those to provide equitable access to services and quality of life for all of its residents. So I, I have an expansive view. I'm teaching a um, course, co-teaching a course, um, looking at how to um, provide um, a better engagement and information to the public, kind of a workshop course with a colleague at the LBJ school and working with some folks at the city of Austin on how to provide better information on people experiencing homelessness. And I'm doing um, several research projects right now. Um, one that involves, um, again, artificial intelligence and the ethical and policy and regulatory implications. Another one involving um, how to use a data to um, help predict um, situations where people may enter what I call the um, homelessness continuum. People who are experiencing homelessness, it's not just one situation. And then how we may better match um, services. Uh, so that's another one. Uh, and I have a couple of other projects underway too. So staying busy going into the fourth quarter this year. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Lots of deadlines and deliverables coming up, including in October. Mm -hmm. 
Professor Greenberg, thank you for your time and your expertise. Uh, I know this is something um, I'm sure you'll be on other other networks and other news shows in the there's, term on this. There's only one. There's only one other thing I do want to mention, and Please. that is the Texas legislature will be in session. Yes. In January, and uh, so I I think that that's important for everyone to be aware of. I every uh, spring in the odd number year, I do teach a course, Texas Legislative Process and Internship, where uh, students actually intern at the legislature. As I say, there's nothing like being there. I do miss it. I do miss it. On that note, too, uh, maybe you have impressions uh, on this. Do you have any idea how, how just it's going to work next session in terms of, I, I talk to my colleagues about lobbying there or anyone trying to access the building. I know it's been closed since the protest this summer. Any, any predictions? I, my, my crystal ball is not that finely tuned right now. As you know, we have an election in November. We, mm -hmm. we will have a new Speaker of the House no matter what. Sure. Um, we have an election coming up in November that may or may not mean a change in um, the composition of the uh, Texas House of Representatives as far as whether the Republicans remain in control or the, the Democrats uh, gain control. So I'm, I'm afraid that we're going to have to wait uh, to uh, get, get some of these uh, answers. Professor, actually, now I have one more question for you on the, on the, on okay. the issue of preemption and something you yes. know, local or state preemption on local government. Yes. Um, say that, so for those who don't know, the Texas House and Senate currently are Republican have Republican majorities as well as the, the current speaker, Dennis Bonin, and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who presides over the Senate, and right. Greg Abbott. If the Democrats in the House were to flip, it's a narrow margin of seat they need to flip. Correct. Uh, on issues such as state preemption, which is all, for Austin, for city of Austin especially, isn't a major issue. Uh, the government, I'm sure, the state loves, as you recall, uh, old pastimes and Austin bashing on anything our, our, our city council puts out. Um, what would that practically mean if they have, you know, a, a Democratic majority, slight majority in the House? Sure. So for those who, who may not be aware of all the terminology, um, it, what we're talking about is local control versus state preemption. And what, what you typically see, for instance, is that federal law supersedes, preempts, has control above state law if they're in conflict, and that state law does the same with local laws and local ordinances. It preempts or supersedes. And so that is the situation that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. State preemption versus local control. And we have seen all kinds of issues over the past two decades, but particularly over the past couple of legislative sessions, few legislative sessions where there have been across the state various um, local ordinances that have been overturned because the state will pass a statute that overrides it preempts it. You're getting to your question, if the Democrats take control of the House, right, then it would make a difference uh, legislatively on all kinds of, of bills because, you, you know, legislation has to pass both the House and the Senate in Texas and then go to the governor. And in fact, then the governor has to, has three options. The governor can, can approve it. The governor can veto it or in Texas, the governor can actually let the bill become law without the governor's signature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's been, I think just you know, in, in practical terms for Austin, um, just because you have a Democratic majority doesn't mean it'll be, you know, it'll, it, I guess it ensures maybe a layer of protection potentially for 
state of engagement because I think, I mean, for example, we as you saw, maybe saw the press conference that Governor Abbott, uh, Speaker De- Speaker Vaughn, and, and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick had a few weeks ago around uh, yes. police funding, right? So they're already here. Right, I saw it. Bill, any any city that it's you know deep, like on details, but any city that defunds their police is gonna will remove their their ability to have property tax revenue. Right, but that would take a bill passing in Correct. the legislature. Yeah, so and for like a bill to pass. Yes, it would, it would require that legislation pass, a bill pass the House and the Senate and that the governor not veto it. There are no guarantees um, on any legislation. I can tell you that personally. But uh, certainly if, if the House is controlled by the Democrats and the Senate by the Republicans, you have a different dynamic than if you have both controlled by the Democrats or as of now, both controlled by the Republicans. Mm-hmm. And it's real speculative, just as a practitioner in local government, the lobby side, just what the implications of that mean when cities now, which Texas cities will by and large tend to run more progressive policy-wise in the state on the, at large, what that means when there's no longer that, you know, what, you know that's, I do not know what that would mean, but when there, the, the, the ability of the state to come into a city and change a policy or override a policy no longer exists, at least for a session anyway, or two years, four, four years at that point. Um, it'll be interesting to see what that regulatory environment looks like for businesses and anyone who's dealing in the city of Austin or any other city. Um, that's speculative, it, it, obviously, but... Yes, know, yes. I'm certainly, it's certainly for, for those of us who, who um, spend our lives contemplating these matters, um, it will be fascinating to see what happens in the election and uh, you know what what the repercussions may or may not be for the Texas House and for policymakers in the legislative session. All right. Dr. Greenberg, thank you for your time. Thank uh, you. You have a great rest of the day. My pleasure. Thank you.